Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn. Good morning and welcome to Talk Money here on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. I am Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. We've got a great show for you today, Jim. But you know, we have survived the icebox. We have. Well, I don't know if we've survived it quite yet. Not. I mean, we're not over it. Not over it. But, you know, yesterday morning I got out and it was six degrees when I left. It was what it said on my car and I think the... You know, when I checked the app, weather app, it said seven. So what's 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 one degree? Uh, right. But, I mean, we are still in the south, right? Yeah, that, that's that, right. That I checked. Changed, you know, it? Right. I checked. You know, we have a great program today for we our do. listeners. We do. We do. If you especially, especially if you have any insight or want some insight into how to, from our perspective as financial planners and counselors, how do you really talk to that lady right. that's in the meeting and make sure that you're communicating because she's probably going to be much, very much a decision maker. We have a lot of statistics that we've been working with. This person that's been in our office for a day, yesterday at a workshop for us. And, uh, you know, that's kind of exciting because I think people forget that communicating with the both parties, or even if it's a single lady, how do we communicate to make sure that we're not... Um, Stepping on toes or not, uh, you know, it's great to walk out of a meeting and everybody says, yeah, that was great. And everybody's smiling. And then they get to the car and say, I don't have a clue what he said or I don't really care. Right. Just, you know, thinking about that language that you use because you want people to be able to understand what you're talking about. And we uh, do that a lot. And we talk about that a lot. We get caught up in financial terms that, you know, we use every day, but that, uh, you know, people typically. Slang and jargon. So, right. How do we talk to people? Well, I'm guilty of that. Also, we have a young lady. Uh, you know, when we talk about it, uh, the, sure enough, there's the consultant, obviously, that's what we're going to talk with. But Katie Brazier comes from the office, and, you know, she does a great job. But she's going to talk about when she, before she got married. Now, this is the lady that, that's been a years ago because she's now got a kid and, you know, all this <laughs> The reality is. Right. So she's going to reach back into her way back into her mind and remember <laughs> the financial counseling that she did, premarital counseling. Right. And uh, not just the financial side. It was definitely a part, but the premarital part. Because, guys, we are in desperate need of learning how to communicate, and that's really what this program is about. That really is. And, yeah, Katie's okay, so we'll have her on. Well, for, her you know, bit, she, yeah. but she does a great job yeah. for us, too. By the way, <laughs> uh, jobs report came out. The jobs report came out, a big number, uh, 252,000 non-farm payroll, and the employment rate dropped from uh, 5.8 down to 5.5. So, you know, I mean, that's... Um, Excuse me, down to 5.6. That's kind of, uh, you know, they, they say that there's this potential that we'll rock back up a little bit as... Some of the people that have kind of walked away from the employment you know, line and saying, hey, I'm out of this workforce for a while, as they begin to move back in, that that rate could rise a little bit. That shouldn't be seen as a negative, though. So many people think, oh, we go into this. But that's really not the case. Right. We really don't look at the employment rate, per se. It's the number of jobs added. And as you said, the participation rate actually dropped this time. So more folks have dropped out of the workforce again. That's always a concern. Uh, and now it's not just the employment report. It's how does the Fed interpret that report? Because right. 
it's all about when they're going to raise the short-term rates. And that is going to be something we're going to be watching in 2014. Got a, several programs. Bob Dahl's going to be with Bob us. Bob Dahl's coming up. Talk yep. about his top 10 and for 2015. Looking forward to that. But let's uh, – I really are – I'm very interested in listening to these ladies. They've got some great information. So after we come back from news, weather, and traffic, we can go from there. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. Let's go see what's happening around town with traffic and weather tech. Check out the market with CNBC, but stick around. We will be right back with Sharon Epps and Katie Brashear. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Contact Haley Kemp at 901-757-5757 or email at hkemp at shoemakerfinancial.com. Thank you for joining us on Talk Money. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. Jim, we have got two phenomenally qualified ladies in the studio with and us And they today. do dress up the studios. I mean, I was well, looking that's at Art this morning, and, you know, he just rolled out of bed five minutes ago. <laughs> these two ladies are... Throwing Art under the bus. I'm not sure that's wise, but... Uh... <laughs> That cost us <laughs> Yeah, <one>. right. <laughs> but, but, hey, it's radio, man. You know? Exactly. Hey, it's last week in his pajamas. Well, so we've always difference? said I have the voice for radio, so, <laughs> yes, exactly. it is radio. But uh, these two ladies do a wonderful job. I want you to introduce them, and then I've got a couple of questions for them, but you're right. Sure. Sharon Apps is the founding partner of Women Doing Well, uh, and she is a consultant that works on women's issues. How do we talk to women? Uh, and, of course, Katie Brashear is a marketing specialist with our firm, Shoemaker Financial. You know, and, and from Sharon's perspective, Sharon comes back to us from a very long relationship as far as something we've had with her. But the reality is she's been in the financial world. And, and, and you know, when, when you think about that, you, you're talking financial dollars and cents and stuff. And so what she saw a couple of years ago in an opportunity that she had was a niche that I think that she said, you know, we've got this huge need because this – and I, really, Sharon, I want to say, well, first of all, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jim. Glad to be here. (laughs) I was way into my question because I'm so intrigued with this. When I first we talked about this years ago and and the the idea of women doing well, uh, I really would like for you to kind of say what how is that genesis? What sparked that the embryonic stage of thinking about it, having been in the financial business, financial counseling and all of a sudden realizing that there was this need? You know, working in the banking world as well as counseling individual couples, I just noticed how often the husband and wife would be on a different page. And what I saw is that so many women would not press into the financial conversation. And yet when we got to talking about values and lifestyle and those kinds of things, they would light up. And yet I watched as the financial world was all about debits and credits and assets and liabilities, and I could go on with a lot of different terms. And and every time I saw that, I saw a large number of women just kind of fold their arms and mentally check out. Their body might be there, but you could tell that their mind and their engagement wasn't. And so that was really the beginning of the genesis to say there's got to be a different way to approach that would engage women in this conversation. You know, when you talk about that different approach now, I mean, I know you have a lot of statistics and give us some thoughts as far as, 
I mean, money today, the the investment world, how much money today is controlled by, say, the female of the home or a single female, whether she is never married, divorced, or a widow? You know, these are the statistics that really got our attention. Probably the one that shocked us the most was to learn that even as of today, women control 51% of the privately held assets here in this country. But the one that really set us back on our ears was when we saw that forecasters are predicting that by 2030, which a long time ago that sounded like it was All like right. really well, yeah. way back to the future. <laughs> uh, but as we sit here at the beginning of 2015, it's just 15 short years from now. The forecasters are saying that women will own as much as two-thirds of the privately held assets here in the United States. And, and that's a big issue because if you think about it, I mean, we – Keith, right, and because we we have been the kind of the dominant force in this industry for a long time, uh, and I'm not sure we know how to communicate. I, I think it's definitely an issue. When Sharon says that she could watch that, and, and I know Sharon, you were in the banking industry, so you were doing the communication, but you saw them even checking out with you. Yes, that's absolutely true. I think just because we're women in the financial services industry. We've had different experiences and different knowledge than women who are not in the financial services industry. And so it it really is like speaking a foreign language. It would almost be as if we picked you up and took you to Japan, for instance, and sat you in a meeting and started asking you to listen to the language and the terminology. Right. That's a great, a great example. Well, you know, let me ask Katie this, because Katie, you and John Paul, I mean, when you when you think about it, you guys at some point in time went through premarital counseling. And I mean, that that is not just how do you handle conversations, who makes the bed up, who does the kitchen, who cooks the food, who goes. I mean, all that stuff. I know that's all part of it, counseling and learning how to talk to each other. But, I mean, from a financial standpoint, did you feel, how was your thinking about, what were you thinking about from a standpoint, this is at your church, correct? Correct. What were you thinking about when you, when they began to talk about money? Well, it was kind of weird how it came up because our very first session, we came in and we actually had to take a test, like on a Scantron, fill, bubble in, fill out sure. questions. And they really went through every different aspect and different different views that we may have with uh, anything from politics to finances to um, our spiritual walk where we were. Um, And really, it was just to point out differences to give us things to talk about. And we, out of all the questions... By the way, this is a couple that's been dating for a while. We dated for five years. You've obviously been talking. Yeah. Yeah. Melinda and I dated for five years. And, you know, we were thought, if you date somebody for For five five years, years, you got it together. You got to know everything. But you don't. But you don't. (laughs) Um, And so... um, they, they put us in separate rooms and then pulled us back together to give us the results. And we were great as far as other things. Every single question about our finances, we had a different response to. Um, and that, I mean, that just came from different upbringings. Um, you know, we, I mean, we're both from here, but I mean, the way that our parents raised us. Two and different we, sets two of different parents. Sets, yeah. Right. Um, so it was interesting to, to hear that, um, what I thought we were on the same page with, we were actually not on the same page at all. So. Well, that's, uh, but that's revealing. Sharon, when you think about that, you, you actually mentioned yesterday in the workshop, and for a lot of our listeners, we had a workshop yesterday where Sharon walked us through all of our advisors through the idea of, of how do we communicate, bridging a communication bridge. Sharon, uh, two questions for you. Tell us about the communication bridge. But I'm interested in basically what Katie said. 
They came from two sets of parents. And so the communication lines were different. They absolutely were. We've come up with an analogy that we call the communication bridge. And the reason that we use this idea of a bridge is that there's a need to cross over a bridge. If, if you have someone on one side of the bridge and another person on the other, and just think if you try to shout across a cavern, you don't make, you don't make much progress because there's so much distraction. So we use this idea of a conversation bridge to say, what can we do to bring the parties together? And so in this instance, we would be thinking about the conversation bridge for Katie and her fiancé. And what would we be able to do to help each of them uh, translate? Again, I'll go back to my Japan analogy. You know, one of them's in Japan and one's in the United States, and they're basically speaking a different financial language. Mm. And so how do we help them cross that bridge to get to be together? Well, some of your statistics, are, you know, were so revealing to us. And so I'd like to start, if you could, because, I mean, there there's so much information. And, you know, we're going to cover in about 20 minutes what we spent three hours and should have spent maybe three days on <laughs> right. yesterday. So we won't do this justice. But let's start with what do you see as some of the most important things that financial advisors need to be sensitive to when they're talking to ladies? Well, I think the first one is just to listen. And I don't me. mean that Excuse lightly. Me. <laughs> Do what? <laughs> uh, I may need some audience help here because I may be attacked by my advisors. But in fact, Shoemaker Financial is a wonderful advisory firm that I have experienced as a very listening firm. But I think in an, in a place where you're an expert and you have had training and you know that you have answers that can help the client or that can help even the couple um, in, in this instance of Katie and her fiance, it's very easy to jump in with your expertise, but in, in a very helpful way. I know something you don't know, and I want to help you with it. But I think what we have to understand with the communication bridge is that particularly the woman wants to be known and heard before she's able to take in that great expertise that you have. You know, I think that's probably a, an issue when you say listen, and I think you're right. I think, I mean, you know, Sharon, when you think about that, we're, we're if not careful, I come into a meeting and I've got 90 minutes of stuff. Right. And you've got 90 minutes that you've got to listen to it, period. Yes. yes. I mean, I've got it. I've spent this whole day on it. You've got, you know, back up, sit down, lock yourself in, pull your seatbelt in, because you're going to write, and you're going to listen to what I got. And that's terrible. That, that really is. I mean, so many advisors do that. And I was talking yesterday to some of our senior advisors, guys that have been in the business 30 years or longer. And I, and I, they all said, you know, this is second nature. This is, this is, we do. Well, it's not because they did it, you know, 30 years ago. <laughs> they've learned. They've that's learned. Right. People right. have shut them down. And so they've said, oh, that's not working. I've got to, and that's a great word, listen. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you think are some of the things. When you talk about leaving a legacy or living for your legacy, the lady, I know you, yes, yesterday you asked them, you know, basically about, understanding the story and listening to them and then and, and having them to tell you their story too. So help me with that. What do you mean by that? Well, let me give you a little context okay. here because neuroscience tells us that women's brains are wired differently than men's. I know that I've been married to one for 42 years. <laughs> 
And I promise you, I've tried to unwire it. Uh, hey, I even knew that one. You know, <laughs> That's pretty easy. Uh, one of the analogies, though, that uh, scientists often use is that men's brains literally process like a waffle. So everything, and, and this is just the way they were designed. It's not a good or a bad thing. It's just God knew what he was doing. God knew what he was doing. So right. he said, okay, so, this is what we're so going to do. So they're a little bit more like a waffle in that things are compartmentalized. And so when we're talking about an estate or when we're talking about a will or those kinds of things, then the guy is talking about an estate or a will. Period. Right. Seems pretty simple to y'all, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. I, I, yes. Well, we got to take a break now. That's, you know, so what? I mean, you know. But for the ladies who scientists say our brains are wired like spaghetti. So just think about this. It's not an easy compartment. Every little thing that, that's involved in our lives comes into this conversation. So when you sit us down to say, let's talk about your estate or let's talk about a will, suddenly our brains go into, but what about my parents, my grandparents, there's my husband, and then what about great aunt Susie Silver? And, and so it's not just a linear, let's talk about this one thing. Suddenly everything in her life starts um, coming to the front of her mind. And so if you see this dazed and confused look, it's just as if you have just told her she has to process her whole entire life in this 90-minute conversation. Mm, mm. You know, and the, here's what happens. I, I, I can describe it. As soon as the guy sees that, he senses he's saying, well, she's not listening. She's not interested. Yes, yes. And so we stop. Yes. We, now we focus 100% on the guy. And, you know, that's the problem. Katie, did you see a lot of that when you guys were first talking? You said you didn't, you know, you, you're, you were like two different subjects or two different yeah, thought processes. I still feel that way. <laughs> I mean, I do. I think we're, because of the premarital counseling and now meeting with a financial advisor, I definitely feel with our finances we're more on the same page. Um, but I tell John Paul all the time, I'm like, I, I don't think that way. You know, like, that's not the way my, and, I've, and I'm glad to hear that this information from Sharon because... <laughs> I've been saying it for years. <laughs> and, you know, the sad thing about it is, Keith, we they say it to us. I right. Mean, my wife's been saying it, as I said, for 42 years. You would think I'd get it. Well, you know. Okay, you're, you're a little ex- bit. Give me excuse. <laughs> yeah, you should get you it know, after I 42 should get years. It. I mean, you know, you'd think. But, but sad to say, men, we don't sometimes listen enough and we're not paying attention. And, therefore, it's just so easy for us to say you're not interested. Let's move on. And therefore, and you're saying 62% of the nation is going to be investments or dollars. Mm-hmm. It's going to be controlled by women. They are going to be controlled by women. And so the gap that we see is we've got a lot, the population of people that's controlling the assets have not been engaged in the financial conversation. And so are they prepared to make great decisions? And so whether you're a husband or no matter your role, you should be concerned about All right, that. let me ask you this. Let's talk about a, a, a wife. Uh, a, 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 you've been working with a couple, and now we're talking about a widow. I mean, husband has passed away. Mm-hmm. You gave a statistic yesterday that I think from a financial planning world, this is a you know, terrible statistic. Right. Uh, talk to that, of course, because, I mean, I think that's a huge problem. So, unfortunately, studies have found that within one year of widowhood, 70% of the widows leave their financial advisor. That's, I mean, that's, and I think we, I would like to think, and by the way, we're going to do a ton of studies on that, but you talked about jargon, you talked about language, how we how we communicate and then that 70% would be leaving the financial advisor that they have, may have had a relationship with the husband and wife together for 20 years tells me somehow, somewhere, 70% of the people that are doing that are saying we don't either trust 
don't understand, don't desire to continue to work there, or need just another face. Mm-hmm. So why? Well, I think it's all of the above. I think, and and I don't want to put all the burden on the advisor. I think as women, we've abdicated the responsibility we've been given with the assets that we have and have said, okay, well, I don't get it, so I'm not going to try. So I think it is a bridge that both need to cross. But I, I think the real issue is, are we all taking that effort to speak the same language? Well, I, you know, I mean, we got tons more questions, and we're going to get into the whole idea of living your legacy, that, you know, some documents. How do you talk about some of these documents? And, and Keith, I mean, some things I think we're learning by, by bringing Sharon in, and, and we're learning. I think what John Paul and Katie went through at premarital, maybe we ought to be doing that postmarital right. on a regular basis. And I, and I think communication, you know, we say this in the office always, communicate, 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 and then communicate some more. And obviously, this is a part of in the in the discussion of finances, we need to practice and do a better job at. We do. And we need to realize, and I think you guys have both said it and emphasized it, that part of that communication and perhaps the most important part is that active listening aspect of it. It's oh, really yeah. trying to hear what they're saying. And, and, you know, as you said, when we've got all these great ideas to share, we've got some solutions <laughs> to your problems. We're excited we're, to show you this, but we need you. to slow down and yeah, listen. Let's slow and listen. Let's uh, let's take a break and go to Charles Osgood. I am Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on AM 990. Stick around and we will be right back with Katie Brashear and Sharon Epps. Welcome back to Talk Money. Here on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. speaking with Katie Brashear and Sharon Epps. And they are talking about, you know, let's make sure that everybody understands Sharon Epps is a co-founder of Women Doing Well. Women Doing Well. Which is a consulting firm. Tell us, Sharon, really kind of what's, what is Women Doing Well? Well, actually, we started with some research and went through a process of asking women their views on money, and particularly women of faith and what their values and how their values impacted their views on money. One of the biggest things that happened is we actually had 7,300 women participate in a one-year research project. And our researcher told us that that was a finding in and of itself. It told her that the voices of women were, the women were desiring to have their voices heard. Wow, that's a you know that is that is an ex- kind of an important. You mentioned yesterday in the workshop that you had a, a couple of widows or several widows in a workshop, and they were talking about the the financial planner who, um, at the end of a, you know the death of the of the spouse and and it sends flowers and and you had I mean, that was such a that that really was that was, that was a, a poignant moment because I'm thinking. You know, if you send flowers, but you really don't have a relationship, I think that is bad. And boy, you really kind of uh, agreed with that. Yeah. So we were having a focus group of widows and it was uh, designed by a financial advisory firm to learn how to serve widows better. And they were talking about the fact that just as we mentioned earlier in the program, that their husbands had been so much a part of the conversation. And so one particular widow uh, said, you know, I received flowers from my advisor and I really just wanted to throw them away because I had not ever had a conversation with him where I felt like he knew me. And to me, the flowers told me that I was a program 
are a product and not a person. Wow, man, That's that is big. that is a big thing. Program product, but not a person. Wow. You know, and I would like to think that the financial planning industry doesn't do that, but I uh, I'm not naive. <laughs> right. I know that we're that type of person. When we talk about working together, I mean. Katie, there were some things that uh, the church, when you were going through this premarital with John Paul counseling and working with him and, and going through that, the church kind of gave you some some insights and some thoughts and said, here's some things we want you to do, some homework maybe. Right. Would you tell us a little bit about what that was? Right. Um, so one of the first things that we did, um, they asked us to create just a simple budget and a cash flow, really just to get us on the same page about where our finances were and then how we were going to moving forward as we combined accounts, you know, bought a house together, all the the, the things coming things together. You, that's going to happen. Right. Um, just to really get us on the same page and know um, savings-wise how much money we were going to have to put towards savings. Um, and then um, another thing they suggested was to um, read some books. And I'm not, honestly, I'm going to be honest, I'm not a big reader. I wish I was. Um, but... Reading some of the books that they suggested um, were very motivating, Um, you know, kind of made me reevaluate my attitude towards my finances um, and help me realize because I'm I think I was more um, of the spender um, (laughs) in the relationship. And I knew moving forward the things that I wanted, you know, that were more important to me, um, you know, more of my values that uh, things that I wanted, um, like a family in the house. you know, I, I was going to have to start saving. So reading books that provided, um, you know, an attitude change um, were, were also good. Um, and then also they suggested that we do combine accounts um, only because we were becoming one. And, yeah. it, and it was going to help us, um, you know, with our with unity and and trust, I believe. You know, Sharon, when you, when, I know your background, and, and I listened to what Katie was saying to us. She said so, women are the spenders, right? Yeah. Is that well, what she said? Not what oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> now, Jim, uh, I have to invoke something that Larry Burkett used to always yep. say. Katie, I think you would appreciate this. He always said, if both of you and a couple were the same, one of you would be unnecessary. unnecessary. And go. so we definitely don't want two spenders or two savers together. We want you to be different. Yeah, that's a great point. And I know you have a long history of actually working with the Burkett Ministry uh, where you did some personal counseling with couples. And I, I was listening to Katie as I was thinking, you know, you got the spinner because I used to think and I, having a long history with Larry where we would go in to a lot of couples and we would sit down and say, well, the man, he's the head of the household. <laughs> so he's going to be the guy that's going to manage the accounts and do the accounting and all the bookkeeping and stuff. like. That. And he's not gifted at that. I mean, and you look, you talk to her, but, you know, this is 30 years ago, and it was forcing him to do that, and she was going to have to go, okay, I'm going to be a submissive wife. I'm not going to do any of that. And it, you'd come back in a year and say, well, maybe, maybe we should change this. How's it going? I mean, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because obviously <laughs> he hadn't got it, Yeah, and she tests the natural ability. So how do we as planners, and I know you talk about this, how do we kind of understand that? Because I think sometimes when we sit out and talk investments, we do exactly the same thing. We make those assumptions. Well, I'll just share a personal story. 
um, as you might guess, I'm a money nerd. I started out as a banker right. and then help people. Uh, my husband is a jazz trombonist. So guests in our family, who might be the one that keeps the All right, book. let me get that one good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I got it. <laughs> uh, but I will tell you that, that through our years of marriage, there have been so many times we have walked into a bank, into our advisor, into a car dealership, where they have automatically assumed that he was the one that would make the deal. And it was painful. Now, we've learned how to, how to have fun with it. And so he kind of crosses his arms and listens for a few minutes and then says, hey, by the way, you don't even need to talk to me. She's the one. <laughs> but uh, see, that's the point, though. I mean, how much do we run into this stereotype of saying, okay, we talk finances to the man and color of the car with a woman? And that's not always the case. And we need to be sensitive to that as advisors, Keith. Well, I, I think, yeah, having those stereotypes, that's a big deal. And, and if you don't connect with the, the, you know, the women in these conversations, I think that's a, that's a huge deal because you need to build up that relationship and have that trust factor. Absolutely. And I think one of the keys for all of us is asking good questions. Asking good questions. And so, sure. you know, as whether you're a financial advisor, a car dealer, or whatever you're dealing, whoever you're dealing with, I think one great question is, which of you enjoys keeping the finances? Which of you will be the primary decision maker? Just ask and they'll be glad to tell you. I think that's a great point. Not walking in with those, you know, those preconceived notions of who's in charge, but just approaching every situation, you know, with with what the people are bringing to the table. You know, one of the and you're, you're exactly right. We're asking the question, uh, what's money? What does money mean to you? Or what's important to you? Those are questions that get people to talking. Absolutely. In fact, Katie, I was thinking for you guys, one of the interesting questions that would have been fun for y'all to talk about if you didn't is just what's your earliest memory of money? Because it would start unpacking probably some of those differences in your family, but not in a way that causes conflict, but kind of helps you understand each other's story in a great way. Well, you know, that's what I was thinking about a while ago is the reality that she comes from one set of parents. He comes jump all from another. And obviously they're on two different tracks, but when they get married, they've got to get on the same track. Well, unless you're marriage, marrying your first cousin, you probably did come <laughs> from a different right. family. So yeah. you can assume <laughs> that your spouse will be different than you because of their background. When we come back, Keith, I want you to really dive in with these ladies about leaving or living your legacy and, and the understanding of documents and the conversation around documents and why it's important. Because I think what Sharon's going to help us understand in KD2 is the reality that you got a will, you got a state, you got ethical wills, you got a balance sheet. You got insurance policies, you got investments and all of that stuff. And the reality is, should something happen to someone, they've got to deal with it. I'm interested in hearing what Sharon has to tell us. About they do. That. And I like the aspect that, you know, again, these are issues that we can work with. You know, Katie talked about the premarital counseling. Well, if you and John Paul, if one of you is a conservative and one of you is a liberal, that might be a little tougher to, to uh, uh, fix. But this is something I we know can both do. of them. They're not. I know. That's right. <laughs> If you're just joining us, I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on AM 990. Now let's take a quick break. Go to Rebecca Brazier for our Mid-South History Moment. But stick around, and we will be right back with Katie Brashear and Sharon Epps. Support for the abolitionist cause in Tennessee highlighted just how divided the state was over slavery during the antebellum era. Most of the northern states had outlawed slavery decades before the Civil War. However, it was legal for southern slave catchers to pursue escaped slaves into the north and a federal offense for northern residents to help escaped slaves avoid recapture. 
Most of what we know today about the Underground Railroad comes down to us from oral tradition, as every effort was made to avoid any written record of these activities. In East Tennessee, where there were few large families, only one in 12 persons was a slave. But in West Tennessee, almost four out of every five persons were slaves. Though the first anti-slavery publication in the U.S., The Emancipator, was printed in Washington County, Tennessee, the two suspected Underground Railroad sites in Tennessee, the Burkle and the Hunt Phelan Estates, are in Memphis. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Welcome back to Talk Money on AM 990. I'm Keith Quinn here with Sharon Epps and Katie Brashear. Uh, Sharon, we were talking, you know, about bridging that communications gap and how that applies to financial planning and the conversations we have with women. Uh, and I know you wanted to talk to us about, you know, how does that play out in real life when we talk about things like estate planning and how do we how do we have those conversations and what's important about that to women? So if we go back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago with men being like waffles and women being like spaghetti. So when we talk about wills, most likely the man's going to immediately think, okay, well, who's going to get the house and the car? And the woman's going to think relationship. So she's going to think, what's the impact on my relationship? So as advisors, and no matter what uh, field you're in, whether you're an advisor, a CPA, an attorney, I think this is a helpful reframing. So if you think of this conversation as a communication bridge and I'm trying to cross over where she is, then let's reframe the question to enter her world where she's thinking about relationships. So for instance, with a will, one of the questions to really ask is, does our will really accurately reflect our heart for our relationships? Uh, I know even for myself years ago, when we did our first will, I walked into the attorney and she basically just told me what to do. I mean, right. she said, okay, pretty much everybody leaves everything to their children. And, and if there's any leftover, there might be a favorite charity, whatever. And your um, advanced directive should go to your husband. I mean, she just drilled down the list and said, kind of, is that okay with you? Well, of course I was a deer in the headlights at that time. And she said, sure. Right. But if one of those advisors had come back to me and said, does this will accurately reflect your heart and what you would wish, we would have had a completely different conversation. And I think that's incredibly important because I know as advisors, you know, as we talked about, a lot of times we think we have solutions, but we need to know what the issue is, what the problem is. You know, I'm sure that will, as you initially set it up, would have disposed of your prop- property in a, in, a, in a you know thoughtful manner. But again, not reflecting your heart, not mm-hmm. reflecting what you guys really wanted to do. And as planners, you know, that's what we want to try and focus on because that again goes back to that trust and that relationship right so if you build the communication bridge by asking questions like what would you want for your children 50 years from now then you start uncovering the values that are important to them and you can get to the technical information you need but it builds on the story that's important to them and i guarantee you if you ask a woman what she wants for her children in 50 years she will engage the conversation right so katie what do you want for your children in 50 years I know. Um, everything. I would give them everything. <laughs> um, and I just, I do have just an 11 month um, right. old. So um, we were talking about this and, um, and really I would want to make sure, um, I know it's going to be a, a crazy world in, in 50 years, even probably more so than now. So, um, you know, I would want to make sure that, that he, you know, was safe. Um, I would want to make sure that um, he had, the support and the memory from us. Um, you know, I think I would, things that are special to me, I would want to make sure um, that he received. 
Um, and I think kind of the flip side of that, I'm thinking about my mom right now because me and my mom are, are one in the same one in the same <laughs> right. person. We are so much alike. And, and even her, um, you know, and her and I have had conversations about, um, you know, and, and it's kind of sad to think about, but things that, you know, she would she would want me to have. Mm-hmm. Well, and, sure. and then, you know, where it came from and the legacy behind that. So, mm-hmm. um, no, but I would want him to have everything. <laughs> <laughs> Good but, answer. But listen to your response, Katie, because this is such a great example of what we're talking about today. Katie did not immediately say, I would want him to have the house and the car. Exactly. She wants him to have safety. She wants to have preparation. She wants him to have a, an exchange of the values that she holds as well as the the financial assets that are special. And so if we're having a financial conversation divorced from those kinds of values, then we're not going to engage as women because of the fact that it doesn't speak our language. And I think from our perspective as, as planners, you know, if you don't have that focus on your goal and really don't have that emotional connection for your goal, a lot of times it's tough to walk out your plan. It's, it's tough to stick with that discipline approach that you need to accomplish those goals. So if we don't do a good job of identifying those, helping us all, you know, understand what they are and really have that emotional attachment to it, sometimes it's hard to walk out a financial plan. It really is. And so it's not just your will and your estate plan. Right. It's the complete uh, plan that you're talking about. And I think one of the most helpful questions, because we don't, we think so much in the present, we're just in a, a present day and age where Uh, Looking at instant news, we're on social media. It's just an instantaneous kind of world. And one of the best questions an advisor uh, can ask is, where do you want to be 20 years from now? What do you want your life to look like? And you will hear financial goals come out of that, but it's a broader context. She may say, I would love to go back and get a degree in something different. Or she may say, I'd love to start a business. And in fact, I would tell you that as we've coached couples, we've often with that question had the husband then turn and go, I didn't know you wanted to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So as an advisor, you're suddenly adding value, not only investment value, but value to their marriage. Now, Sharon, talk to us about some of the more specifics. So we talked about, you know, wills in the context of what we're trying to accomplish looking at that. What are some of the other things uh, that that we would need to speak to to women about? You know, it it really, we need to all speak about the same things that we talk about regularly. They need to have a a long-term plan. They need to have a good plan for their current assets, a plan for retirement. They need to have their long-term goals. But, um, Probably if you're a woman listening to this, just even as I listed out those things, you kind of rolled your eyes because right. those aren't exciting things. Um, so what we really try to do is put that back in context, like we've been talking about, crossing that communication bridge and really say things more like you need to have a plan in place that helps you reach your goal to start that new business. You need to have a plan in place that gives you an opportunity to educate your kids the way that you want to. In fact, I have a financial advisor client that has done something so simple that's been revolutionary for her practice. She actually has taken account names and rather than making it X institution account number 5283, mm-hmm. she has changed it to Sally's College Fund. That's great. And I mean, that sounds like the simplest little thing. But what it does is it allows them, even in an investment meeting, to say, well, Sally's College Fund went up this month, and so we're right on track to get her into school in 2015, just like we thought we would right. be, and all of that. And suddenly it connects the dots to the why. 
Absolutely. And I love that, you know, focusing on that, the goal aspect of financial planning, which is what it's always about for us. And I love that, you know, making it simple. And that does sound like a a simple thing, but I know I'm making a presentation later today at our meeting and we're talking about investments and we're talking about, you know, how we look at things and and simplicity sometimes is, uh, you know, a quote that I'm going to use is simplicity is the ultimate sophistication, Uh, (laughs) Leonardo da Vinci. And I think that's, that is sometimes the case. Uh, so, Sharon, when we think about this again and, and talking about uh, uh, specifics when we're looking at, at how to bridge that communication gap, what else should we do? As you said, you know, we're basically we talk about a lot of the same things that we would talk about with a, whether it's a guy or a couple or a woman. The issues don't really change, but how we communicate with those issues. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think the other thing is a very practical tip I would give, and that is as a couple, do you each know the details of your financial arrangements? And so, you know, one of the things we encourage a couple to sit down and talk about is a very simple checklist of things like, do you know where all your bank accounts are and what the passwords are to get into them online? Or if you have a safe deposit box, do both of you know where the combination to the safe deposit box is. Because I think as we get in the busyness of this kind of instantaneous word world, that it is easy to just take uh, those details that you handle and just handle them and not have uh, information between the spouses. Absolutely. I know for my parents, you know, my mom does a lot of the day-to-day stuff and she has a lot of things set up electronically where the bills will be automatically paid. And I guarantee you, my father doesn't have any idea how all that's set up, but it's something that they look at and they're talking about as, you know, they think about estate planning as well. Let's take a break, uh, check out what's going on around town, see how the stock market is doing in New York, but we will be right back with Katie Brashear and Sharon Epps. Welcome back to Talk Money here on AEM 990. I'm Keith Quinn speaking with Katie Brashear and Sharon Epps. Sharon is the co-founding partner of Women Doing Well, and we're talking about how we communicate and the things that we need to think about when we're communicating with women. And Katie, I know you were talked about, uh, you know, we were in the break, the financial planning process and what you kind of walked away from for that and how it's impacted you guys. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was um even more of an eye-opening experience than I would say maybe our premarital counseling. I think um, after we met with a planner and got some um, policies set up, um, I think that gave me security. I think knowing uh, where we're at uh, in preparing for our financial future and me being involved in the process was huge. Um, John Paul definitely handles the finances in our relationship, um, but me knowing where our insurance policies are, knowing PIN numbers and bank accounts, that is huge to me. So, it, you know, if, if something were to happen, I would feel um, you know, secure and knowing where all that, where all that is. Absolutely. And Sharon, I know as well, as we think about, you know, planning and we talked about that and, and, you know, that's looking off into the future and focusing on our goals, uh, but also talk to us about what, you know, our lifestyle, what we're going through currently and how that's important and how we need to think about that. I think one of the most significant things we can do uh, with our advisor is make some intentional decisions about today's lifestyle. Uh, because as we know, the the resources that we receive either will be spent today or tomorrow. Right. And so we know we start talking about long-term planning and retirement, long-term goals, but it's actually our financial decisions today that free up the opportunity to plan for those things in the future. And so one very significant conversation that helps us across that conversation bridge between the husband and the wife, as well as with the advisor is, you know, have you thought about your current lifestyle and is it in alignment 
with your priorities and right. with your goals. Uh, because I think so many of us just say, well, I make X amount of income, so I'm going to spend X amount of money. And it's it's not an intentional, thoughtful, are we really looking at an appropriate lifestyle for what we want to do? And sometimes those are tough conversations. They really can be. I know one of the things that I've used in working particularly with women and men together is to take those long-term goals and help them use use those to help us make decisions for today. Exactly. And so, for instance, if you have a couple that are working towards a college fund for their children and are wanting to make, uh, let's say, they fall in love with Tesla automobiles. And right. they, <laughs> they decide they want to buy a Tesla. Well, as their advisor, I, I'm not telling them to do that or not to do that. But what I am trying to do is frame their financial goals in a way that it attaches to both their values and what they want for the long term. And so I'm going to be asking them the question of, you know, how does the Tesla contribute to the college fund as far as your priorities? And if they say, well, the Tesla is more important to us, then I say, well, bless you, go buy it and enjoy it. You right, know? So right. it's not, you know, one of the things people have often said to me is that there's a concern that my advisors can tell me I can't do something. Right. And that's not the role of the advisor. The advisor is to help you live into those values that you and have. And to understand the consequences of your decision. So it's not that you can't do it, but there's a cost to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other piece that, that often is important in our daily lifestyle decisions is thinking about how our decisions will impact our, tr- our children. So if we're training up the next generation, they're watching everything that we right. do. And so I also love framing that question, how will this decision be viewed in the eyes of our children and how will it help them grow or would it be a distraction to right. them? And I, I love that, you know, the, the focusing on, obviously we talk about a lot about retirement income, but then focusing on the generational aspect of, you know, what you want your children to accomplish, you know, what you want to pass on. But now, Katie, I know that you have some rules that you and John Paul have, you know, focusing on this, thinking about this day-to-day, thinking about your lifestyle, uh, you know, how you guys can communicate and work this out. Talk to us a little bit about right. that. Tell so us one of your rules. Our lifestyle has actually changed now that we've had a baby. I mean, it's been a huge wonderful blessing. So, um, but you know, we definitely, uh, you know, have a diff- different priorities. Um, but one of, one of the rules that we've always kind of, uh, stuck with, even since, you know, we first got married and, and I think this may have come from our premarital counseling is, is how this rule evolved. But, um, if it's an item that's over $150, then it's a conversation that we need to have, um, to make sure we're both on the same page about purchasing this item. And, um, and I think maybe as we, um, grow in our finances. Maybe that amount may change, but I think what, there always needs to be a a, a point where we um, are in agreement with with what we're purchasing. I think that's a great rule, and I love I love that as an example. Again, I, I don't think it's about the dollar amount. It's all, at all. It's about you guys talking about it and knowing you know knowing what to expect from each other. And I think that's incredibly important when you think about planning. It absolutely is, and I think. Um, the more you can have systems like that built up, it helps us in that day-to-day busyness to say, hey, wait a minute. One other just quick suggestion is I really recommend that couples have a financial date once a week. And I think I, that's great. I know that sounds a little like, oh, who wants to go on a financial date? But go to Starbucks and have a cup of coffee or even stay home and have a cup of coffee, but say this is my time. That's fantastic. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. Sharon Epps at Women Doing Well. Katie, great job. Thank you. Thank Art. Frederick, our program director, Francis Fortner, our guest coordinator, Jeff Long, our compliance officer, Eleanor Moskovitz, and number one of, another one of our production assistants, Drew Johnson, who writes our Mid-South History Moments, Rebecca Brazier, who reads them. I'm Keith Quinn. Please join us next week when we'll help you make the most of your money.
Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. CBS News at the top of every hour and the most local talk in the Mid-South. This is AM 990 KWAM Memphis. CBS News, I'm Frank Setapani. French police.